turning with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. Our message today is Jesus, our city of refuge. Message number 18 from the book of Joshua, chapter 20. This chapter calls Joshua to implement the command given by God to Moses to appoint cities of refuge in the land of Canaan. These cities would provide safety for those who had committed murder unintentionally. Six cities of the Levites were allocated as cities of refuge on both sides of the Jordan River. They were to suffice the whole nation of Israel. And this law is first mentioned in Numbers chapter 35 and repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 19. Here in Joshua 20, the law is instituted. The cities were available to the Jew or the proselyte, the non-Jew, those who were traveling with the Jews. Numbers chapter 35 Verse 15 says, These six cities shall be a refuge, both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that everyone that killeth any person unawares may flee there. And this law reveals to us two great attributes of God. One, God is just, and we see his justice as early as Genesis 9, verse 6, God said, Whoever shed man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Later the law stated unequivocally, you shall not kill. There was no equivocation to the law for human murder. It was punishable by death. But another attribute of God is clearly seen in this law, the Lord's mercy upon men. He provided a way of escape for those who commit sin whether man shed blood deliberately or by accident, there is a penalty for murder. God is just, but his mercy, the wages of sin, is death. We all sin deliberately, and we all sin inadvertently, by accident. The justice of God demands hell. And we should understand this, brethren. 
But God has made a provision wonderfully for mankind in the person of his son, our city of refuge, Jesus Christ, the believer city of refuge. It is to him whom men are warned to flee for refuge from the judge at the last day when judgment comes upon this world. We are told in Deuteronomy 33, verse 27, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall trust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, destroy them. I will be considering our usual three headings from the general information of these nine verses. After we will bring a message that is relative to the context of the chapter. <laughs> Nothing new, I will be following my old trend in presenting the gospel. First, we see the appointment of the cities of refuge. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spoke unto you by the hand of Moses. God spoke before. Now it was time to, to appoint, to implement. And if there is an appointment, there is an appoint, appointer, if I may use the word, Yahweh is the architect who appointed the cities of refuge at the giving of the law. Nevertheless, he ordained Joshua to act on his behalf. This was the law given point cities of refuge. And this law was first hinted somewhat. We see the forerunner of it back in the days of Moses in Exodus chapter 21 verses 12 and 13, where I read, He that smiteth a man, so that he die, shall surely be put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. God hinted this law at Sinai, but God extended mercy for accidental, if there's such a thing, murder. It doesn't mean that a just God overlooks murder. No, he makes provision for the murderer. Now you know, and you may remember, the man Moses applied this provision himself when he fled from Pharaoh after killing the Egyptian. It was already in the mind of Moses, this law. The Bible says when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled. Same word from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. And Moses found a priest just like God commanded Jethro. 
Moses may have had good intentions, but he was guilty of murder and sought a way of escape from the one who was wielding the sword, Pharaoh, picture of God himself. God permitted Moses to utilize this law even before it was written. And here we see the eternal nature of the law of God. The Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Today in civil society, the heinous act of abortion has become a key issue in electing government officials. The one who stands for abortion may be readily elected before the one who doesn't. And this is not a political platform, but I'm speaking to Christians who ought to know better. Man thinks that innocent babies in the womb can be slaughtered at will with impunity, while they have more attention given to homeless animals. It doesn't make sense. This is society. Man has become twisted in their minds and warped in their thinking. God has a, a very high value of human life because this is how he works out his redemptive plan through conception. An innocent fetus may be one of the Lord's elect. And Christians better read their Bibles. The destroying of human life means that people are playing God. Pharaoh tried to do this, and that's how Moses was born. The midwives came to their senses. There's no human being that has the right and the liberty to choose to end life. And you're hearing this from a pulpit, not from the Senate. It is the Lord who appoint, appointed this law. He is the one that appointed it way back. The concept of this law of the cities of refuge was also misused and abused by David's son Absalom, who took the law in his hands after murdering his brother Amnon in 2 Samuel 13, verse 37 and 38. We did this some time ago. Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Abinahud, king of Gersher, and David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Gersher and was there three years. Now David, in the context here, was permissive. He was a bad father. He should have dealt with this boy. And that's why David suffered the consequence. David was a good man, but he was a sinner, just like me and you. And God dealt with him very severely. Absalom fled to Gersher for refuge, but he didn't get away with his action. He got away from David, but he paid dearly for his sin. God avenged the blood of Ammon. He took care of him. He hanged him. 
And that's the way the murderer goes. Brethren, people may sin today at will, but our sin will find us out on the day of judgment. So this is our first heading. The Lord, the appointer, the architect of the cities of refuge, the designer, if you may say, he introduced this law to reflect his character. He's a God of grace and mercy. Now he calls upon his servant to initiate this law, to put it into place. The second thing we see in our material is the necessity for the cities of refuge, verses 3 through 5. That the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and this shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood, one who committed murder in, in, inadvertently or unintentionally, unintentionally could flee for refuge. Today we call this involuntary manslaughter. But in the Bible, murder goes deeper than the actual act of murdering an individual. I know you know this. Murder begins in the hearts of men. Mark 7, 20 and 21. That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. I don't know if you ever dislike or hated someone that you just wish them dead. That's me. I don't know who you. Maybe your chemistry is different than mine. We get so mad sometimes that we wish people would just drop dead. Comes from here. First John 3, 13, whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. Of course, we are too clever to admit that we cherish hatred in our hearts for anyone. We'll never admit that. I don't dislike, I don't hate them. I love them. Yeah? Yeah? Well, your actions speak louder than your words. Come on. Who are you fooling? Get with it, man. Admit. Admit the terrible rottenness of your heart, just like me. God knows the very emotions and the intent of the hearts of men. He says it's desperately wicked. And we should be ever ready to confess and to forsake our attitudes of hatred because he has provided an escape route for our sins. We need the city of refuge. Verse 4 go on, and when he that doth flee unto one of those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city unto them. 
and give him a place that he may dwell among them. What mercy. The one fleeing to the provided city of refuge could not just flee without adequate identification. He was to come to the gate of the city and declare his hand to the elders that the elders would pass judgment whether he's for real or not for real. Verse 4 says, he shall declare his cause. He was to be a suppliant. It was not a free-for-all venture. Investigation was to be made if there was a deliberate act of murder or not. But he should come to the elders. There's a brief thought here to this idea. Today, many can skip from one congregation to another without any formal spiritual identity. Today, you can hop from one church to the next. No inquiry. That's not the word of God. You must come to the elders that they must do proper investigation. People can join up the church. Many can skip without any spiritual identity. And people can join up without any careful check of their spiritual track record. And not longer, all kind of improprieties begin to break out in the congregation. We've had this here before. Verse 5, go on. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly, inadvertently, and hated him not before time. The avenger of blood is the one seeking revenge. Maybe a family member of the loved one that was killed in pursuit of the one who killed. But the real prosecutor and avenger of all mankind seeking justice for the guilty is the law of God. However, the purpose of this law was to protect the one who fled to the city of refuge. It's a wonderful message of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate avenger of blood. He is pursuing you, the guilty sinner. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Can we understand this? Christ Jesus is called the avenger. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother of any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forewarned you and testified. But the same one who is the judge and the avenger is the same one that provides shelter. Verse 6. And he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return 
and come into his own city and unto his own house, unto the city from whence he fled. Boy, I, I, at times I wonder if I am capable of or worthy to preach messages like this. Grace, grace, mercy. Observe that the one who fled to the city of refuge stays there until they stand before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the high priest. There was to be no jumping from pillar to post, no trafficking from city to city. Thus the death of the high priest is the basis for the release of the one who committed this crime inadvertently. You may remember during the days of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2, a man named Shimei, who should have been killed by David. David was merciful to him. He found refuge in Jerusalem. How well do you know the Old Testament? Here all of these verses begin to come to mind. Because as I was saying to you, choose them. He was commanded by Solomon not to leave the city of Jerusalem, but stay there for safety. But Shimei in his audacity had other ideas. He left. He was defiant, just like some of us. He left the city, maybe to run an errand. We read in 1 Kings 2, 42 and 43, that the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Did I not make you to swear by the Lord and protested unto you, saying, Know for certain on the day thou goest out and walkest abroad anywhere that thou shalt surely die? Didn't I warn you? And thou saidest unto me, the word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not keep the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I have charged you with? Shimei was killed. He violated this law of the city of refuge. He paid a great price for his error. This law points squarely to those who have found refuge in Christ. They have come to a spiritual resting place, a place of safety, a place of provision, a place of protection from judgment. They don't leave. They don't become a Christian today and backslide and go elsewhere tomorrow. They're kidding themselves. This is the gospel. What salvation you have, I don't know. The law of God is replete with the gospel. We better preach it. Lest we are false witnesses. So then, we saw the appointment or the appointing of the cities of refuge. They were appointed by Yahweh the Lord, instituted by the servant of God, 
Joshua. We saw the necessity for the cities of refuge to provide safety for those who committed involuntary manslaughter. Thirdly, we see the accessibility of the cities of refuge, verses 7 through 9. This is the context. Verse 7 and 8, they appointed Kaddish, Galilee, and Mount Naphtali, and Shishem, Mount Ephraim, and Kerjath Araba, which is Ebron, in the mountain of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bishan out of the tribe of Manasseh. Seven, eight. The six cities of refuge were placed strategically on either side of the Jordan, three on one side, three on the other side. This meant that no one should cross over the Jordan. I can just see some of us taking our boats and going over to the other side. You know how it is with us. You didn't have to do that. Wherever the Lord's people were, a city of refuge was accessible. A remarkable message is conveyed to us. It does not matter where you and I are placed in society. God has made a way for you and I to find refuge. He is a God that can be accessed through faith and belief in the Lord Jesus. Not a single one of us here today can say that they never heard the gospel. Some people in Zimbabwe never heard it once. If the Lord condemns anyone here to hell on the day of judgment, it is because of your own indifference towards the word of God. My hands are clean. You can't say that I haven't made the gospel clear and plain to you. If you go to hell, you're going because you want to go there. You love your sin more than God. God has provided a means. Brethren, I'm just a messenger. In the New Testament book of warnings, Hebrews 2, 2 and 3 says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, the appointer, and was confirmed unto us by them that hear him. Joshua chapter 20 and verse 9 concludes, These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel. What a mercy! And for the stranger, me and you, that sojourneth among them, who said that God didn't plan to save the Gentiles? From eternity. Who says that? 
who said the New Testament is a per, is is a per, per, what's the word Corinthians? Who said that God was saving the Jews and they didn't believe, so he went to the Gentiles? No, that's nonsense. God always had you and I in mind. Provided a means. Oh yeah. All over the Bible, he says that whosoever killeth any person unawares might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. There's a judgment day coming where God will release or he condemns. Would you be found in that place of refuge? Or would you be in yourself and in your sins? Cities of refuge were to be accessible to everyone dwelling in the promised land. And you had to be in the promised land. It wasn't exposed for the Egyptians. You had to be in the location. So their people are bopping around all kinds of gospels. And this, we saw this, the appointment of the cities by Yahweh. The necessity of the cities of refuge. We just saw the accessibility of the cities. Of course, there's a specific message from the general information that is set before us. There's a key word used in conjunction with the cities of refuge. The word is flee. It's used three times in the context. One, it is used in the past tense, verses three, six, and nine, if you're taking notes. Just highlight those verses. To flee doesn't infer a casual stroll to the city. To flee denotes a matter of urgency. Someone has committed a crime in the eyes of the land and the posse is sent out to deliver that one to pay for their crimes. The offender has to move quickly lest he be caught overtaken. To flee doesn't indicate a leisure walk to the provided city of refuge. This is a picture of the desperation of the sinner who is seeking the salvation of their souls. They're desperate. It's a matter of urgency. We are too casual in this church about salvation, about preaching, about the Christian life. We are too casual, brethren. I said it about 10 times already. There it is again. I come when I want and I go when I want. The offender must move quickly. We're desperate sinners. In need, we stay there. It's not a stroll in Central Park. It's an urgent necessity for the lost soul. 
But if we see urgency in many things, Black Friday, bargains, mundane things of this world, but salvation is not urgent anymore. The New Testament text in Hebrews 6 wonderfully picks up this thought saying, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirm it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Hebrews picks up the theme and says, we who have fled. I don't know of any true born again believer who haven't fled to Christ for salvation. It's not a matter of dragging your... The lady promised that she was coming to church today. I told by the medicine, that's what she said when she ain't coming. You don't want to come to church. But if you're saved, you'll be fleeing to the house of worship to hear the gospel. To flee means that one will not come to Christ in a half-hearted way. No. We come, as I said, desperately. We ask questions. I want to know. Like the rich young man who, who, who ran to Jesus. Oh, what can I do? Like the Philippian jailer who cried to Paul and Silas, what must we do to be saved? Words in Joshua indicates the one who killed was to flee to the city. And the one who flees to Christ Flees with the hope of forgiveness. Oh Lord, will you save me? God gives them a deep awareness of their guilt. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to their soul, arouse their dead consciences. Has this happened to you? Have you been awakened to see your guilt before God? You have committed crimes. Lie, steal, lust, on and on, rule. Disrespectful to those in authority, even a pastoral figure. Walk past and don't grunt. Children do this. I mean, if I don't stop you, you wouldn't you wouldn't grunt a word. Is this what your parents taught you? Not mine, I would have had a beating. We have committed crimes worthy of death. To flee means that we would lay aside everything, every weight, and sin that so easily beset us and run with patience 
Today many think that salvation is an option. That the pastor is given an option. I ain't giving you no option. It's a command. And some of us preach and teach here like we are apologizing. I don't have to apologize or be embarrassed for what I'm saying. No. My friend, we do not have an option. We are commanded because I have committed serious crimes. I don't know if this has happened to you. Sometimes I go in the supermarket or Macy's and I will hear music playing 30, 40 years ago. Right there and then, I'm right back there on the dance floor. In all of my misery. God is reminding you, Brian, remember where I brought you from? The dirt. You flee. Run from that. And some of us here hiding and doing our dirty deeds. You run from it to the city of refuge. Run, flee. You've committed crimes. Just like all of us. Today, men are urgent about their physical well-being, social distancing, things that are temporal, not urgent, and fleeing from the wrath to come. The avenger of blood is tracking us down. Put things in our way to show us. Second thing in the context of our exposition, those who fled to the city were to abide in that city. Can one try Christ today and try another gospel tomorrow? Well, some of us do this. The context uses another important watchword to dwell. Twice the word is used in verse 4 and 6 to enforce the safety of the one who had fled where they will dwell. The word means to stay, to remain. The type shows that one must remain in the city of refuge till the day of judgment. Verse 6, and he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Wonderfully, we have a priest that died for us. The Lord's elect will remain in Christ. The peripheral, marginal, nominal, would not, cannot, will not abide in Christ. There are attractions in other cities. They will abide in him if they're saved and he in them. It's in Christ where 
a true believer finds safety? Where they find provision, as I said. Where they find nourishment. Where they're kept by his power. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. This only is speaking of one thing, of those who do not abide. To burn doesn't mean to annihilate, but to destroy. This concept is wonderfully portrayed in the life of David, who was a great type of Christ when Saul slaughtered 85 of the Lord's priests. You may remember that. How well do you know your Old Testament? We preach the whole Bible, a part of it. Saul killed 85 priests in his rage of jealousy and anger, jealousy over David, who was ascending to the throne. One of those priests got away and fled to David, Abiathar, 1 Samuel 22. You may remember him. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 22, 20 to 23, one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ehutu, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. David said unto Abiathar, I knew it that day when Noah, the Edomite, the enemy, was there that he would surely tell Saul, we call these people a rat. David said, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. And then David said, 1 Samuel 22, 23, Abide thou with me. These words sound familiar. Fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh your life. But with me thou shalt be safeguard. Abiathar found refuge in David from the enemy, Saul, that was wielding the sword. All of these are pictures that God has given us to show us what salvation is. You understand the pictures, Charlie? You understand them? The grace of God and the mercy of God in providing refuge for murderers drunkards, fornicators, going right down the line. We should be thankful. At the end of the day, God gets the glory. You get the shame. That's the gospel. Anytime you hear a gospel that promotes men and preachers, it's the wrong gospel. We can find refuge in Christ, not in the church. This church is not a safe place to be. As a matter of fact, this church should not become a haven for unconverted people. 
I don't plan to make it that way. No church building will shelter us. Just as the Lord appointed the cities of refuge for the people of Israel in the days of the conquest, he has appointed a refuge for those who trust in Jesus, who come to him just as they are, drop everything they have, flee to him. Just as those cities were necessary in Israel, it is of utmost necessity that we, you and I, flee to Christ. Matthew 11, 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Laden with what? Guilt. And I will give you rest. We can only come to Christ if God grant us this felt need of guilt. And if we have truly fled to him, we will abide. We will remain in him. He's our priest, the one who died in our place. Joshua is clear in his message. The psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I'll trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Psalm 107, verse 7. He said, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. The real city of habitation we find when we abide in Christ. So the question is, have you come in faith and obedience? Have you come? to this city of refuge? Or is your city of refuge the Big Apple? Many have fled to this great land and many are still fleeing by the thousands. For the American dream. And they have forgotten the essentials. Everybody come here to make a better life. But we are forgetting a very important thing. It is Christ we must flee to for refuge. This is the message of Joshua chapter 20. This is the intent of this inspired writing. This is the gospel. What we must believe, God has provided a way of escape for me and for you. He hasn't left us with a res without responsibility. Flee. Don't stand up. Flee. Drop everything you have. 
you don't understand this, you don't understand the gospel. Jesus Christ is the believer's city of refuge. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Have he not said, and shall he not do it? Or have he spoken, and shall he not make it good? This is a promise. Let's pray. Amen. Wherever we go in your word, we are confronted with one message. We are sinners. The Lord is righteous. And the Lord is merciful. Long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him in repentance. This is the gospel that we have heard. This is the gospel we are called to believe. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen.